0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 26th of June, 2011. Well, before we jump into the show, let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact the show, you can do it a couple of different ways. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 206-339-3266. Again, that number 206-339-3266. I also use this number for my other podcast, The Armed Ape. So if you do leave a voicemail, if you could just at the start of it, let me know which podcast you'd like it left for. Also, if you could leave your first name and and, uh, the state where you're from or the country where you're from, if you're from out of the United States. Okay, I think that's about it as far as our contact stuff. Oh, I guess it's not. I forgot the uh, email, didn't I? Alright, if you want to send in an email, and I can read that out for you on the show, or if you you wanted to record an mp3 or a WAV file for the show and attach it to the email, I'll be happy to play that for you. And you can send those emails or mp3s or WAV files to firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Now, speaking of emails. I got an email the other day from Arizona Citizens Defense League. As you know, I live here in Arizona, and um, ACDL is probably one of the best organizations out here in Arizona. They have gotten through tons of legislation, Uh, but one of the founding members of that was a gentleman by the name of Charles Heller, and he is now going to be, I guess, the executive director for JPFO, which is Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. And I'm sure many of you guys are familiar uh, with both of those organizations. I know I talk about uh, at least the ACDL all the time. Uh, and Like I said, they have done a lot to further gun rights, to further legislation here in Arizona, which is a really good thing. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to congratulate Charles Heller on uh, going over there to JPFO. Uh, for all you, of you guys that were maybe a little bit unfamiliar with him, uh, one of the things that I always liked about it when Aaron Zellman was running it before he passed away was they really held uh, ATF or BATFE uh, accountable, uh, and they 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 really held their feet to the fire. They exposed a lot of the things that were going on with him, and we'll talk a little bit about some of that stuff later. Uh, and, you know, speaking of organizations, when we talk a lot about, you know, what organization should I join or who should I be a member of, or or does this organization really do anything, or are they just, uh, you know, kind of out to make a name and, and make some money? And there are some organizations that are like that. Uh, I think probably most of the of the bigger ones out there are pretty genuine. Uh, but if someone were to say to me, if they were to say, you can only join one national organization, what would that be? Would it be the NRA? Would it be the Second Amendment Foundation? Uh, would it be something like uh, JPFO? You know, what would, what would I actually join if I could only join one? Now, I'm going to say it. Luckily, I'm not in that situation where I could only join one and nobody who's listening to this is in that situation where they could only join one. But if I could only join one for the purpose of this exercise, it would probably be the Second Amendment Foundation. And the reason is because I think, uh, especially recently, probably within the last, well, let's just say five years, if we just go back and look at what they've done in the last five years, tons of progress, lots of uh, legislation that have gotten passed, lots of lawsuits that are that are striking things down. Uh, Now, that's not to say that the NRA hasn't done that, and I'm a member of that organization as well, but I think that for right now, they're probably sort of leading the league in getting things done as far as legislation. I do think that you should belong to the NRA. I do think that you should belong to the Second Amendment Foundation. I do think that you also should belong to whichever one of your state organizations Gets the uh, gets the most stuff done. Take a look at them. Look at what they've actually got accomplished. Look at uh, do they have a good presence in the legislature? Does the legislature even know in your state who this organization is? Uh, does it mean anything to them? Uh, and what you'll find is once you start looking at that, you'll it'll be pretty clear pretty fast. You know who you want to join up. Uh, and you know I would also support organizations again like JPFO you know when we when we look at that organization it's very very hard to go against the lessons kind of learned in that um there was a, a rabbi is it Bendovi bin Bendovi I I can't remember uh, but anyway if you go over to the JPFO page and I actually have a link to them on the Firearms Cafe website. So if you go over to firearmscafe.com, there's a link to JPFO, and you can go over there. And there's a video uh, done by the rabbi, and he's talking about that about basically being on a list makes him very, very nervous. And I'd, I'd like you guys to listen. Then it's an excerpt from part of a speech that he has done. Uh, but I really like their organization. They are a little radical for some, but I think that's what we need. A lot of times, not not every organization has to be this, you know, in-your-face radical thing. But I do think that we need to have an organization like JPFO. Uh, there are still people in that are living, so we still have a living uh, memory of people that were actually in concentration camps. Uh, and so it is very, very hard to argue with people or discount the lessons that those people can provide to us um, who who had genocide being practiced against them. So... I don't know how you cannot take the opportunity to learn from their experience. Uh, so, anyway, that's kind of what I wanted to say about the uh, organizations. Hopefully, you'll take the time to do a little research and join one that you think is uh, is actually getting stuff done. Uh, but again, pretty much any of the ones that I've mentioned so far, you should, uh, in my opinion, should be a member of. Um, oh, and before we, I guess, before we move on from this. I've talked in the past about how even if you're not from Arizona that you may want to join an organization or you may want to donate to an organization that's not part of your state. So if you lived in, let's say, California or you lived in uh, Nevada, it may help you in the long run to donate to an organization like Arizona Citizens Defense League because they're pushing through a lot of Legislation—they're fighting a lot of battles. That eventually, when it happens here in Arizona, it's going to be much easier for your state to say, "Well, hey, they—they're they're doing this in Arizona. They're doing it in Utah. They're doing it in in Texas. They're doing this in you know in these other states." So, if you see a state that, that is making a lot of really good strides uh, for gun rights and for gun legislation. You may want to think to, you know, maybe sh- you know, ship them off a few bucks every once in a while. You know, maybe 5 or $10. Every little bit helps. So anyway, like I said, that's going to be enough of that stuff. Now, I did get uh, a little bit of feedback. And I got uh, some feedback from Jack. On the last show, I had talked about... All uh, right, well, we, I, we had some feedback. And in that feedback, they were talking about DNA. When, is, is it okay for the police to take dna upon your initial arrest and i kind of came down on the side of that i was not comfortable with that because i thought there was too too much information and there were privacy issues that were happening with that other people would say "Ah, it's not a big deal now for me too it was also with the with the thing of especially if you weren't convicted i don't know why they would need that at that point um if you weren't convicted it probably should be part of a of a maybe of a court order uh so it but it's not just something that the police just sort of do out of hand and keep that information or supposedly you know they'll they'll destroy it if you're not found guilty you know quote unquote but we all know that that doesn't happen very often uh, there's been several cases where uh, and especially where you know the police have kept records that they that they uh, have, are supposed to have destroyed or government agencies have kept records that they're supposed to have destroyed and we see that happens all the time to us in the gun culture. You know, you see it over and over again that, oh, they were supposed to destroy these records and they never did. And, as, you know, I, I even have my doubts and suspicions about the, uh, the, the background checks that when those things go up there, they're supposed to destroy that stuff. Well, I, I doubt if they do. I'm sure somewhere there's a record of every, of every uh, background check that's been done. So, but you know, maybe that's just my paranoia. But anyway, let's go ahead and let's read what Jack wrote. In Jack writes, there are several uh, issues. Excuse me about DNA that go both ways. First, many do not like that there are many crimes that they may commit that do not leave fingerprints, and or they may not see your face. Rape comes to mind. Second, DNA could have made Hitler's job easier, had he DNA to work with. As to destroying the record, once they run the DNA, then run a search through the computer databases. It will never be able to be removed. That is just not possible. DNA is a useful tool, but can easily be corrupted. And I would say that I would agree with everything that you said, Jack, so thanks for sending that in. All right, that is going to do it for the feedback for today. And let's talk about BATFE. And what is going on? Uh, on previous shows, I've talked about the uh, Project Gunrunner or Project Gunwalker or Fast and Furious, whichever you want to call it. I'm not sure exactly what they're calling it now. There's been several different names, but it it really appears that this was a uh, what is sometimes referred to as a false flag. Operation. It seems that it was it was done to be able to say, well, look, here's this trail of weapons that's going down to Mexico, and we need to increase gun laws. At the very least, we need to uh, reinstate bans on uh, on assault on so-called assault weapons. So we need to reinstate the assault weapons ban, and we also, just to be safe, need to make sure that n- nobody can have that no more magazines that hold over 10 rounds of ammunition will be allowed. And uh, I can kind of go around and talk a lot about a lot of different things, but basically that's what I really believe was going on here. Uh, When you look at a lot of the things that they were saying that they were originally intending to do, um, they they wanted to figure out kind of what the supply route and stuff was going down there. Well, you could say that, and that would be okay, but then why did they let the guns go across the border? Uh the the drug cartels and the people down there, number one, ATF doesn't have any jurisdiction over them. Uh but number two, these guys aren't hiding. They're not. They're very out in the open, they're very aggressive. Uh and, and the consequences of allowing that stuff to happen, you know, we had we've had probably our own American citizens have been killed. We've had federal agents that have been killed uh, that have used guns by guns that were uh, allowed to go across the border. This stuff was also done uh, over the objections and the protests of the guys that were on the ground who were saying, let me make the arrest. We don't want this stuff to go through. People, agents were going up to their superiors saying, you can't do this because what's going to happen if somebody gets killed here? You know, if one of our people gets killed by you by one of these guns. And a while back, when I first kind of had learned about this and first started talking about it, one of the points that I made that at the time I had never I hadn't heard anybody else make, but at the time I was I, I was saying that there's not only going to be the possibility of our people being hurt. But also, the, all the innocent civilians and innocent people and citizens, I guess I should say, citizens of Mexico. You know, all the, the farmers and the people who are going to be bullied and pushed around and, and, you know, murdered, taken advantage of, their property taken away from them by the drug cartels. And we see, of course, that that stuff has come out. There's been lots and lots of people that have been hurt and killed down in Mexico, uh, probably using a lot of the guns that came from this, uh, this horrible, horrible operation. Uh, so, some of the updates that I have seen and have been uh, hearing about and have been reading about here and there i 've got some stuff from reason magazine i 've also heard oh, if you want to hear some uh, like uh, I think i'd mentioned earlier in the show a really fantastic podcast. go over and look up uh, tom gresham 's uh, show from I think it was the nineteenth uh, and that 's gun talk and there's they, they do a lot of coverage on that. Um, on his on his parts you know a b and C that he does on that show about the the scandal and what's going on also michael bain his his uh episode, I think it was two eighteen he talks a little bit about that and uh he also talks and i think in episode two seventeen he had talked a little bit about the militarization of the police, and uh, this is something that I've been compiling a lot of information on, and that I'm gonna be doing some shows on here. In the future. And some of the things that we're going to ask about that are, uh, when when I do that show, the things we want to look at is, you know, what does that mean? What does the militarization of our police forces mean? What does it mean that they commonly refer to themselves as law enforcement and that they, the, the mission seems more to be enforcers rather than peacekeepers, uh, you know, have we isolated the police from the community, and has and have the police isolated themselves from the community? So there's a lot of questions that we need to ask. Um, if you guys have any thoughts or ideas on that, again, feel free to email some stuff, or do some recordings, or call into the voicemail, and uh, let me let me hear your thoughts and your suggestions on that. If you'd like stuff played for the air. Uh, on the show, and like I said, it's going to be a few weeks. I, I want to get a lot of my uh, data compiled and everything on there for what we're going to do. Uh, but also, now uh, when we look at at the, the Bureau for Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, one of the things that we need to ask is, are they a rogue agency? And in my opinion, they are. Uh, they they pretty much don't have a lot of guidelines. And when an agency like that doesn't have a lot of guidelines, then they can pretty much just write their own policy or make up stuff as they go that doesn't bode well for you or I. And a lot of times the arguments are, well, it doesn't matter because they're going after criminals and bad guys, and that's not going to happen to me. But we see time and time again that there have been several people who have um, basically been railroaded by the ATF especially the firearms division uh they uh, I can't remember the guy's name but there was um oh he he was at a firing range or something and the gun there was a misfire or something like that um and then they uh they basically since they had no written policies on um what what is a machine? What's the difference between maybe a machine gun and the difference between um, an accidental or misfire? And they, they don't even recognize that something like that could happen. So they don't really have. Again, they don't really have any. Uh, they have no written procedures or guidelines for what is a, or is not a machine gun. Um, nor do they really have anything for saying like. What would be the process that a reasonable person with a reasonable amount of knowledge could do to make this and to, to convert it from a semi automatic into a fully automatic you know without going through our basically our our tax stamp bribe and all this other stuff um, so anyway, I think a lot of stuff is going to happen. I think that a lot of the people that the uh, either the agency or that the administration, and this is the Obama administration, wants to be a fall guy. They are not going to be fall guys. You see that people are saying, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm willing to testify here." It'll be interesting to see kind of how this thing plays out. All right, guys. Well, that's going to probably do it for today. I know it's been a short uh, show, but I did want to put something out, and uh, mainly I just wanted to let you guys know that you should really look into the uh, ATF scandal what's going on you can google probably project gunrunner or gunwalker or fast and furious and ATF and you'll get some stuff uh, and once you start digging you're going to see that there is a lot of information out there uh, and i think some heads are going to roll but again really go back and i would say the the one of the number one things if you want to hear some really good stuff is go back over to Tom Gresham's show from the 19th and that's June 19th and listen to that and you're going to you're going to get a lot of stuff um and kind of on that thing we see that um oh it's also there's a thing where gun owners of America is basically calling for the dissolution of uh, ATF a lot of stuff is going to come out, and a lot of stuff is, is uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. I don't know if it's going to reach up into the administration. I don't know if it's going to reach into uh, up into Obama. While he may not have signed off on it, he was uh, something this big, something where you're actually allowing weapons to go into another country that you know are going to go to people that are going to use them to further their goals of bringing drugs into the country. You can't tell me that Obama wasn't informed on this, and like I said, he may not have signed off on it, but I'm sure he gave the nod. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be somebody like Eric Holder is going to be forced to fall on his sword, so to speak. Uh, and then what will happen? Will he? Uh, I doubt if he's going to do any prison time. He'll probably just resign, or they'll they'll give him a a, a uh, ambassadorship to France or something like that. You know, they'll, he'll get some cushy job for it. You know, basically for the murder of uh of several mexican citizens and also for the uh you know the killing of um the federal agents that we had so anyway uh i'm gonna go ahead and drop in a quick song and i will talk to you guys next time stay safe everybody giving him superhuman strength.